Marvin, what do you make of all this? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you gotta have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped... Oh, what the fuck's happening? Oh, oh man. man. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? Well, I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Oh, man, I seen some crazy-ass shit in my time, but just... Chill out, man. I told you it was an accident. You probably... He went over a bump or hey, something. Hey, the car ain't hit no motherfucking bump. Hey, look, man, I didn't, I didn't mean to shoot the son of a bitch. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of DGen Cast. Uh, this is the Hacksmas episode, as we like to call it. Um, well, I mean, it's our first Hacksmas episode, so I guess we don't really have a usual. Anyway, uh, it's Jamie and I uh, again. Um, and well, who the fuck doing... else would be on here? Do what? Who the fuck else would be on here? I don't know. There's more than just us and Hacks, so maybe one of those guys. Sometimes I don't know. Yeah, anyway, whatever. Um, so what's Hacksmith, buddy? Do you want to explain to everybody <laughs> this wonderful time of the year that we created? Yeah, so uh, Hacksmith was a another Northern Stronghold event where we got a bunch of our uh, our friends together, both hack and non-hack alike. Uh, some of the Durham regulars that Jamie has uh, deemed to not be uh, douche canoes were invited. Yeah, the, the GBTs aren't invited. We had... A couple of from Atlanta, the uh, infamous Team Tusk. Uh, we had Pig Red and uh, Ned Leeds, and I, I honestly I don't know what Brandon's is. <laughs> uh, why not? No, why not's Pig Red? <laughs> seems good. Oh, seems, seems good. Seems good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also had Frenchie and Thor. Oh, that's right. F- can't forget Frenchie and Thor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thor is a you know, completely off topic right from the get go. Thor makes uh, a family recipe barbecue sauce that is out of this fucking world. So if you're, oh, yeah. if you're lucky oh, yeah. enough to know Thor from Team Tusk, you should ask him about barbecue sauce and see if he can score some, because uh, that shit dank, yo. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So this is definitely the season to be a D-Gen. Um, Haxmas was our three-day-long event uh, hosted at my house, the Hax Northern Stronghold, we had way too much Jameson Irish whiskey, White Claw, pizza, uh, cider, beer. Um, I don't think anybody was sober other than maybe you for... Yeah, you were sober the entire weekend. Pork. Um, oh, yeah. Pork. Lots and lots of pork. So, yeah, kind of kind of to recap some... <laughs> Uh, to recap the weekend, uh, we had Friday night vintage FNM. Kicked off that by burning Delvers, treasure cruises, brainstorms, and a few narsets. That's not an exaggeration. They they actually did burn them in in his fireplace. It was. Oh yeah, we I had our we had, we had to start our Yule log with something. Yeah, and why not just start it with complete shit? I was late on Friday, so uh, but I, I did get to see the aftermath of that, which was quite fantastic. Oh, uh, and you guys had a, uh, a proxy vintage sort of FNM thing where you guys had probably the weirdest vintage meta ever. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty strange. You have to get pretty out of there to uh, to include decks like Druid Combo and The Rock. <laughs> so why don't you uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? So kind of the the meta game as far as kind of what I remember seeing, we had uh, Druid Combo, Dredge, The Rock. Uh, O'Brien was playing a Guardian Beast-based shops deck with, like, Time Vault, Voltaic Key, Manifold Key. There was Burn. There was Mono Red Sneak Attack, a.k.a. Pig Red. Food Chain Goblins, Storm, Rusty's Cheap Bullets into Play Pile. And there was an actual shops list uh, as well. So I was playing Druid Combo with Hermit Druid running Narc Amiibos, Flashback, um, uh, Dread Return so that I could bring back uh, Laboratory Maniac or a myriad of other weird shit that I was doing. I won one round. It was As pretty bad. Do. Yeah. <laughs> I actually realized I have the worst record playing at my house. When I travel for events, I have better, a far better record. Which is still not a great record. It's just better than playing in your house. Yeah, it's just better than 50%, I guess, is the way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> We're above average. 
So in-laws all do uh, picks for, you know, pick the games for Mm -hmm. the NFL season every year. And the term that has uh, really taken off the last couple of years when there's a game that's really 50-50 and you don't really know what it's going to be is monkey poo. And so it's, you know, just like a monkey flinging poo at a dartboard. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's kind kind of what the metagame was like. The finals for the metagame that night were Mono Red Sneak Attack versus Food Chain Goblins in Vintage. And Burn was in the top four. And if I remember correctly, Ben was the one on Food Chain Goblins, and he was lit. Holy cow. Ben Ben was by far the drunkest guy in the room and was just smashing people with Food Chain Goblins with style. Ben Gabala, a guy that I met locally, it's the first time he's come to a Hacks event. Um, he's I've actually ran into him twice in the last week, just out and about in town. Oh, and, so he's uh, alive? Yeah, he's alive. Oh, we'll, we'll discuss um, why that's uh, why that's a surprise <laughs> later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was the first time he had attended. He was very grateful for the invitation. He said we run the best vintage event he's ever been to. I'm not sure if that was just the alcohol talking. It was probably the alcohol. It could have been the food, too. Ah, uh, the food, yeah. Yeah, when so. you give people booze and feed them, like, they they tend to be grateful for that. Yeah, so Friday night, you know, uh, w- it was pretty good. Had a great turnout. I ended up playing a couple of contracts mas- matches with Walker uh, late night after FNM wrapped up. He, of course, was playing some sort of shitty blue stew in old school that just irritated the piss out of me. And wasn't very good. Going into Saturday, we had uh, an Irish brunch for the team and the people traveling, that was pretty epic, I must say. Yeah, I uh, I started cooking very very early and wasn't finished by the time people showed up. Yeah, it was brunch was supposed to start at ten. We started cooking at like eight fifteen, and we were just getting done cooking at like ten fifteen. So we had thirty six eggs, what three three and a half pounds of bacon, three pounds of potatoes. There was a lot of Kahlua and Jameson coffee going around. So we made. Uh, uh, let's see. There were, we made a couple frittatas. Oh uh, yeah, uh, that frittatas. were really good. Yeah, need some of the bacon. Yeah, that totally ruined the pan that we did that in. That shit never came off there. <laughs> oh, the the candied bacon. Yeah, I, my I, wife. I didn't my wife was until, less than happy. <laughs> I, I'm really sorry about that. I didn't. Think it's okay to, about using foil until after we'd already kind of ruined it. Yeah, no, it's okay. I bought her a new one, and I okay. bought her a nicer one, so she was happy and. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can uh, I can pitch into the Katie, please, dear, don't kill me yeah. uh, fund if you. Uh, uh, you're the you're the one of the few teammates she doesn't want to murder. So oh, okay. Anyway, uh, it was kind of our our way of getting together um, with the crew, having breakfast, uh, having some of the out of towners in, just to kind of get. And we played hyper extended, and then we had hextended. I'm so happy. I love it this was, format. So oh, it's much. so much fun. This is so. This is like the the second event that I've played in uh, in the format. This is the first time you've played in an event. Mm-hmm. It's not like Legacy. It's not like Vintage. It's kind of in between. We've said it before. If you haven't tried the format, I highly recommend it. It's similar to Middle School or what's pre-modern, but instead it has a restricted list, so it feels a little more like Vintage. You get to play with stuff like Yogwill, Necropotence, Yog It Bargain. feels kind of like old extended yeah, if it really the does. internet didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, you're not going to find lists for this i mean i didn't take i didn't ask for deck lists people could post photos on twitter if they wanted to but this was uh dubbed the battle of the mounds so uh our, our buddy Sean, <laughs> do you want to say the prayer to crom <laughs> no i'm fine okay our buddy sean o'brien dubbed it that from team tusk uh this is kind of their format so we um the metagame kind of what i saw we had i know i was on standstill Seabiscuit was on standstill. Pig Red was on storm. Rusty was on storm. Yeah, except Pig Red's uh, storm deck was good and Rusty's was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Thor was playing survival. Thor was playing a survival list. I don't know what. It was interesting. It, re- it was it was cool though. What he was yeah, doing. It was, did some cool he was shit. Doing, uh, some survival goblin welder, uh, weld in like I don't know, it was Frixian something like Frixian, not Frixian dreadnought. What the dreadnought's legal, but that would be very bad. Yeah, no, it was, it was weld in. <laughs> it was the the expensive eight eight one. Shit, I can't think. I know I know what you're talking it's about. It's whatever. Anyway, O'Brien was on Jund as as he does in many formats. Turn and burn was on Reanimator Tell. Were you on Goblins? Uh, I yeah so. 
There were actually two Goblins players in the room. There was oh, there one were person two? that was on uh, just straight Goblins, and then there was me who took a page out of old Onslaught block standard and played Goblin Bidding, uh, which is the old uh, Goblins with uh, Patriarchs Bidding. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, with the uh, with Skirt Prospector and Goblin Sharpshooter, and you can you know Alpha Strike, sack your board to Sharpshooter them through the Prospector to make a bunch of mana. Cast uh, cast Patriarch's bidding, get all your shit back, and do it again. And it, it just it's such a fun fucking deck. Yeah, you you looked like you were having a lot of fun over there. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty good. Uh, there was the uh, one of Burning Wish that you're allowed to play. So Burning Wish is a restricted card in the format. Uh, but there was a one of uh, Burning Wish in the list for another Patriarch's bidding, oh, uh, nice. as well as a uh, Goblin War Strike. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> spicy. Spicy. Well, uh, the Kingslayer is on mono black that day, uh, as he does, just hemming the shit out of people all day long. Yeah, that man is most at home casting him to Turok, I will yeah. tell you that. Uh, what was Patsy on? Do you remember? That is a great question. I believe it was a deck of 60 cards. Okay. That uh, were legal and extended. No more than four of any hyper-extended legal card aside from basic lands. Oh, okay. Seems good. It may have had a sideboard of up to 15 cards, <laughs> um, contributing to that four-card limit total. Uh, <laughs> I have no fucking idea. What I, I can't remember. He told me what he was on, and I forgot. So Brennan Hagen was on Elves, as he has been known to do. And then Frenchie was on some Which, sort of, like, You know lands. what card really, really loves Elves is Goblin Sharpshooter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that... Frenchie was on some sort of like lands based combo Something. deck. I have no idea, but it looked cool. It was a control deck that kind of had a combo. That was the other part of this format. Like everything everyone did looked cool. Yeah. It was fun. Well, do you want to talk about your tournament? Kind of what you what you played against, that kind of thing? I would love to if I remembered it. Uh, so I know that I played against Rusty. Actually, wait, no, I remember enough of it. Fuck it. Let's do this. Um <laughs> So I played against Rusty round one. Uh, he was playing the bad storm list. Um, <laughs> he that... was going to be so pissed. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is he didn't really do much of anything and Pig Red ranched me. So I, <laughs> I played both of them. Spoiler. So he got goblined. I did get stormed on once, which was fun. That deck, that takes some work. Oh, yeah. You... I don't think there's an actual deterministic kill in the deck, which is great because to me, that's the way Storm's supposed to be. It's like, well, we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I've, I've watched, I've watched Matt Webster play it enough to kind of see like mm -hmm. it, his list definitely has a lot of, um, inevitability on his side. Like it's one of those, like he is yeah. going to get there. It's just a matter of like when. So I played against him round one, and then I played against another Tusk. We had a, a lot of Tusk yeah. on hack violence. It was a, it was a fucking bloodbath. Uh, going on in this one. I played against Thor with his Survival of the Fittest, Goblin Welder, discard Squee Goblin to Bob to get fucking this zero mana thing to get cast the zero mana thing to weld in big Phyrexian 8-8 bullshit thing. That was a lot of fun. We, we had one moment where he killed himself. Uh, by putting himself to five life, uh, because I could sharpshooter him for five life, but I couldn't sharpshooter him for six life. So all he had to do was not sack a fetch land and do a couple extra things. And then we sat there and Brendan looks over and he goes, you know, you're dead, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't remember whether that was game two or three or one or what happened, but I, I, I remember that one was two one. Uh, both, both matches were two one at this point. And round three was more of the same in that regard, was 2-1 against Brendan Hagen, sleeving up the uh, imposter little green men. The little green men, for those that don't know, are, uh, are goblins, because while elves are green creatures, goblins are actually green. So the little green men are goblins. Rant over. Um, That's a legit rant. So, turns out Goblin Sharpshooter is really, really good in that matchup, and I managed to draw it a lot. Either that or I could Matron for it. Uh, I had two in the main deck. But, you know, Goblins with the, the Matron and Ringleader and all of that, you can out-card advantage blue decks with Goblins. So, it's it's just, it's so good. And actually, I feel a little dirty using the phrase card advantage, but... <laughs> 
Way to go, Weissman. Look, I, I'm a red player at heart. We don't care about that. We don't. Draw a card, don't you? We can donk all day, boys. Oh. We'll snipe Sally, boys. Exactly. Well, my, my tournament did not go quite as well as yours. Uh, round four, I played against uh, Why Not, uh, Matt Webster. Uh, he was also on Storm, only his list was much better than Rusty's, and he promptly thwacked me. And then I I skipped round five because I had some family stuff to take care of uh, for a little bit. So I hopped on a phone call to knock that out. Okay. Well, I remember two of my rounds. Perfect. Um, so I was playing a standstill Oath list. So Oath still, I love the card standstill. I've jammed it in Vintage. I've jammed it, jammed it in Legacy. And you're an back ape, in so old you extended. Oath of and I played Oath of Druids because I'm not very good at playing uh, standstill <laughs> <laughs> or just Magic in general. I, I'm not very good with blue cards anymore. I need to uh, I need to brush the dust off a little bit. Play play a little more blue outside of Vintage. Uh, Extended is just a totally different ball game when you're playing. Um, but I was running like a Chroma, Angel of Wrath, Masticore, Verdant Force because I have a boner for that giant creature Vasara the dreadful bunch of you know i think i was running impulses yeah it was you know kind of a, a pretty cool list so i had a lot of fun playing it i played against seabiscuit round one he was on standstill with stifle knot in the main deck so playing you know some combo with the stifle phyrexian dreadnought and i think it was 2-1 i got there it was pretty, they were long games. I was going to time a lot, which meant that I was drinking a lot throughout the round, as I have been known to do. I think I played Frenchie next round. Frenchie or Hagen, I don't remember. So I I think I played Hagen, and I got my shit pushed in so hard by elves. I think I was dead on like turn four or five, both games. Like our round was over in like eight minutes. We jammed a couple games on the side, and I went to go kind of, Check on food, make sure stuff was ready so that we could take a break. I think we did a break, what, after round two Um, for food? I believe it was either after round two or round three that we broke for lunch. So I I went to go check on food, kind of make sure everything was ready. I do have to say this about elves before we move on, too. Uh, Elves and Hex is really, really good. Yes. Holy shit. The deck is very, very fast. Yeah. Carry on. So then I played Frenchie on his, like, weird control combo lands type thing. He got there in two. We ended like right at time, I think, in round three. Round four, I don't remember who I played. I'm sure I got my shit pushed in. And round five, I don't remember. I think I had to buy round five, actually. So, you know, overall, I had a lackluster day record-wise, but had an absolute blast uh, playing the format. So, yeah, don't really remember rounds uh, four or five. So, you know, I've been known to drink a little bit at events. But, you know... We had what thirty pounds it was of pork shoulder that we like I had that. grilled yes. the day before, and we actually ate most of it. Yeah, yeah. There was still a little bit left the next day, a little bit of chili left over. But after we had hextended, we had uh, an event that we had all yeah, been looking so, forward to slash dreading. Yeah, and that was shit draft. Rich, do you want to explain shit draft? I will happily explain shit draft uh, because. The name that sums it up. Uh, So Shit Draft uh, was born out of a board conversation either much too early in the morning or much too late at night in Hacks DGen chat, where we all decided that we were going to do a white elephant draft where everyone was going to bring three booster packs and then we were going to draw names out of a hat. And whoever's name you drew, you gave them your booster packs. However, us being us, we decided that this could be no ordinary white elephant party, nay, no ordinary chaos draft on account of, you know, you could bring good cards and you could bring good packs. And so we dubbed it the shit draft and the directions were to bring three booster packs from the worst sets that you could think of. Either worst draft sets, worst for the game. We had Homelands present. We had Fallen Empires present. So there was a lot of, you know... There was a lot of nemesis. There was. Uh, well, there was more than one nemesis, yeah. I think there were four packs of nemesis overall in the draft. But the bottom line was the the directions were to bring sets that in all likelihood no one's pulling anything of value. All of the cards are bad. And we're probably going to have a very miserable time. 
while most of us are going to have a miserable time, there were th- four people that had playable decks out of what, four, 12 people that drafted? I played mono black. And we also had one of our team uh, card stamps present, and I stamped my entire deck. Nice. So you mushroom stamped the whole thing. I, I did. Uh, this particular one has has mushrooms on it. Uh, you, <laughs> I don't think I really have to explain what a mushroom stamp is on this cast. If you're listening to this, no. you probably know what it is. Anywho. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my deck was pretty bad. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to where I got packs that I actually was genuinely interested in drafting. And like then I got white elephant. Fucking sociopath. <laughs> yeah, I got I got fucking white elephanted by Patrick. Fucking Patsy brought a pack of fucking War of the Spark. War of the Spark? But Jamie, Jamie, what did you open in War of the Spark? Pack one, pick one. Teferi, the three drop planeswalker. So I ended up playing the world's shittiest blue-white control deck. I played... Ooh. I think I made it halfway through the second round when Ooh. I said, fuck this, and dropped. That's halfway <laughs> through a round further than I did, because I played round one and dropped. <laughs> Boo. Yeah. You picked a fairy. Boo. It was... I know. Boo. What was the best card in the pack? You money drafted <laughs> shit draft, you fucking whore. Boo. <laughs> it, no, it's funny. I actually resolved that shit pile of a card and still lost. <laughs> Serves you fucking right. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I don't know if... I just realized, I don't know if Jaco puts a explicit language warning on our cast, but he needs I think to. it has one. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) yeah, so shit draft was by far the worst fucking draft experience of my entire life when it came to card quality, but amazing because of all of the dicks that we drew on cards. And we had, it was such a meme because the gameplay was so Oh, it was horrible. There was no synergy. The actual draft experience was possibly one of the most memorable and hilarious drafts I have ever ever taken part oh yeah the actual drafting of the cards was fantastic there was some like fbb packs some like fourth edition and stuff so i mean it was a lot a lot of fun so there was homelands in mine oh you had homelands we had homelands and fallen empire god damn it we actually had uh crowley pulled pack one pick one strip mine from a fourth edition pack (laughs) i heard about that yeah (laughs) it's like you motherfucker so so anyway um Sunday, we had... Uh, I got a didgeridoo. What? That was notable. I got a didgeridoo out of oh. that people passed me. Are you... Wait, someone passed you a didgeridoo? You money-drafting shitbag. <laughs> it's a dollar. <laughs> Excuse me. No, dude. It's a reserveless staple. It's, yes, a reserveless staple. So I uh, I sat down before the cast and we were talking about this. And I was like, hey, I uh, you know I think would be really funny. And it, there's no way that it's that expensive. Um, I'm going to make a, uh, a global set of didgeridoo. And so as Jamie's getting ready and setting up his microphone and everything, I go online to figure out what all languages and everything didgeridoo is printed in. Well, didgeridoo was only printed in Homelands, and Homelands is only printed in English, so uh, done. Yeah, that's a really, really good <laughs> way it. of getting a global set right there. It's Good job, Yeah, me. you did great. You did great. <laughs> yeah, I got passed one by two or three nerds in, in a shit draft. Yeah. Fantastic. I feel good about myself. Yeah, you should. You should. <laughs> I do. I really accomplished something. Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank my parents for never giving up on me. Well... One of my parents for never giving up on me. The other one can die in a fire. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, well, Sunday. Let's go into Sunday. 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 We had a team event. We were we were hoping the Atlanta guys was going to be able to stay and we could have six teams. Uh, they had to bounce out because it was a long drive. Um, some of them got stuck in traffic because there was a really bad accident on 40 near my house. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing that we learned, it was Rich, myself, and Power Bottom, our, our newest and youngest member of the crew. But by no means the most innocent. No, no. You don't get a name like Power Bottom that, in being innocent. That child has, has been raised with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I ended up taking the old school seat. I played my four-color lands control list. Um, got destroyed. Um Power Bottom borrowed G.G. Allen Jund from me. 
um, and borrowed some of the pieces for, uh, that I was using in my old school deck from Matt so that he could fill out the deck. And uh, you played Shops in Vintage. So, so the, format, did, the formats yeah. were Old School, Legacy Unleashed, and uh, Vintage. So do you want to talk about your Vintage experience? I mean, you finally were able to get in some reps with a deck that has been near and dear to your heart for many years. No, I don't. So, so Rich, how, how was playing shops? That was terrible. <laughs> it, it was it was awful. When we were talking about decks, and you were like, "I'm going to play shops," did you think that was a better idea than playing the spaghetti monsters that you're actually good at playing? I, I did at the time, <laughs> <laughs> and then I played against DPS, and I learned a very important lesson. And what I learned playing DPS is when they cast Hercules Recall, it sends your Lodestone Golem back to your hand. But what it doesn't send, what Hercules Recall doesn't send back to your hand, is the Thought Not Seer that stole an important card out of their hand. Yeah. So yeah, that feels bad. Yeah, yeah. So we sucked as a team, you and I. We are miserable failures. Yes, we were miserable failures. Power Bottom actually, I think, was three and one on the day. No, yeah, he was, he was crushing it. it. <laughs> I, th- I think that, I won that one. Bruce, fantastic. Oh yeah, I, I fucking love GG. Oh yeah, that deck's that deck is so much fun. I'll loan it to you sometime if you want to play it in an event. Yeah. So GG Allen um, is a John Smallpox list. Oh, we put my we put Mind Twist in it because we unrestricted Mind Twist. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, and that's really all you need to know about what pile of fuckery this deck is. Oh yeah, it was. He had a good time. Um, I got unceremoniously just like face fucked the entire day um, by my opponents. Um, it was pretty bad, and I think at one point you were you left to go buy a thirty five cent single at Atomic Empire because you were so hey, pissed. Two. Oh, I bought two disintegrates. Thank you very much. <laughs> they weren't even black border. They are black border. They're time shifted. <laughs> you bring shame upon our household. I bring dishonor. <laughs> so anyway, so we took dead last. Yes, we did. Durham won it. Because we suck. They showed up with an absolute heater in the vintage seat. Adam was on fire playing Storm yep. that day. Garrett DPS. Garrett was playing... Um, he was playing uh, Dreams, Underworld Dreams combo deck. Yeah, and that deck, their list of it's pretty It's sweet. pretty good, yeah. I thought that, I thought that they... I did, not sure. Still not sure about the copper tablets, but I think that overall, every other choice in the deck was fantastic. I'm I'm okay with the copper tablets. It, it frees up spaces in the rest of the deck. So, spoiler for anyone that doesn't know, I play Underworld Dreams in in, in old school. So, with that in mind, it it frees up some of the space because you kind of want to play uh, Howling Minds because it's extra damage off of your your dreams. And with your Howling Minds, you don't want your Howling Minds on there unless you have a Dreams. So you usually play Relic Barrier to tap down your Howling Minds. Well, so that's six cards. And then because you're stranding so many cards up in their hand, you usually also play Black Vice. And so now you have ten cards that are all shoved together. If you just throw a Copper Tablet in there as your source of incidental chipping damage, then that frees up six slots. Yeah, that's... I, I, there's, there's some merit to that. I mean, maybe we'll have to toy around with that when, when brewing. I will say that with the caveat that I don't know that it's necessarily good, but I think that the choice is defensible, at least from a testing perspective. So yeah, kudos to them for, uh, I, I've never seen anyone else do that. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool to see and it, it worked out really well for them. So. Yeah. Well, so hacks team Bravo took second. So it was uh, Patsy Crowley and Rusty, I think took second. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to mention that I did actually make trophies for everything except for vintage F and M. Yes, you did. <laughs> so people walked away Kudos with some pretty sweet to, trophies. Uh, you for making them. And thanks to the local thrift store for, uh, for supplying. Oh, them. they were they were awful fucking trophies, but yeah. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> um, so there was literally a two man team that did better than we did because their vintage player Ben Gabala died. <laughs> he no showed. He no showed, <laughs> and was shit faced. And when I saw him earlier this week, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I left your place and I decided to go to the strip club." So I got really drunk and I got food poisoning from the strip club food. So I didn't make it to vintage, but it's just kind of funny. Like that. Oh, that's such like a hacks way of not 
like making an event is like, oh, I got food yeah. poisoning from the strip club from the night before after I left your house with probably a 0.4 blood alcohol content. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Kingslayer and uh, Josh Alexander, a local, were playing and, you know, won a lot of stuff, even having to give up one one loss in one seat. So Josh played green, black lands. Yes. Holy fuck. I think he splashed red, though, didn't he, for Punishing Fire? No? Nope. No Punishing Fire. That deck was sick. Yeah. No, he's a very, very good player, good lands player. I know that Dick Dick was playing a a Hermit Druid combo deck and just Mm -hmm. got absolutely crushed. And it's not, I I do have to to clarify this, it was not, it was not Turbo Depths. It was No, it was lands. lands. Yeah, it was a lands deck. So, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, that, it was a great, great to have a team event. It's the first time we've done anything like that as a group. It was pretty sick. Yeah. So might do another one uh, sometime over the summer, try to arrange a, a team event. Maybe this time not do it at my house. Maybe we'll find a bar that'll host us or something. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. So outside of the weekend, we did have some results from some Wait, vintage hold stuff. On, hold what? on. We have one more thing from that weekend. I had a grudge match. Oh, yeah. You did have a grudge yeah, match. I did have a grudge match. At this point, I do have to apologize to my opponent, Ryan Hobbs, uh, Rusty, for kind of shafting him on being able to borrow cards. I had initially every intention of playing Grixis Dreams, and so I was borrowing uh, Blue Power from uh, from Jamie. And Blue Duels. And Blue Duels. And so Rusty couldn't borrow them to play uh, what he had initially planned to, and then I ended up playing Mono Black because... That's what I had in my bag, and I never got around to actually building a Grixis list. He was not happy with so, you. So he he was not very happy with me, and uh, <laughs> understandably so. So I'm <laughs> once again, I'm sorry, Rusty. We'll uh, we'll do another one here soon. But it ended up being a pretty pretty straightforward mono black versus. Uh, he played goblins. We played uh, best of five, so two pre-boarded games, and then going to or no sideboarded games, and then went to sideboard. Those were split one apiece, and then post sideboard, I uh, I took the other two. So so it went to four. Uh yeah, and you know that, that's kind of how that matchup goes. Yeah, I mean Goblins is a good deck. I I just think that Mono Black has a lot of ways of just outracing it, and it's a particularly hateful deck too. It's yeah, it's hard for them with like you're playing Hymns, you're playing Strip Mines, Mind Twist. Mind twists. They. I, I mean, turn one. Mind twisted him for four after a mulligan. Like, oh god. It. It was. It was pretty brutal. Yeah, and you know they hinge a lot on being able to like blood moon people, possibly side. You know, post board. I'm not sure if he was running blood moons, but you know you kind of nullified that plan if that was something he was going to do. Mm-hmm. If 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 you had been playing Grixis Dreams and he was playing it, you know, with blood moons, you know, probably would have been pretty good against you. I'd have probably had some yeah. problems. Yeah. But anyway, that was uh, that was the grudge match. Uh, of course, the grudge matches are things that. Uh, we do within the team to uh, raise money for charity. And Rusty, being a uh, a good sport, we we agreed to uh, same thing that you and Walker did: uh, fifty bucks to charity of uh, the person's choice. And Rusty, for you know near 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 to my heart, chose uh, the Children's Organ Transplant Association. Ah, uh, wonderful, so. wonderful. Yeah, it's always it's always good to to be able to raise some money. It's something that goes a long way for your family as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You know, Rusty's a stand-up guy, and also, Rusty, I do want to say congrats on getting engaged recently. Yeah, dude. And the ambassador down in Australia also recently got engaged, so it looks like we're going to have some hacks weddings coming up, and I can only hope they don't invite us, because what could possibly go yeah, wrong? Yeah, that'd be the smart thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, we did have a couple vintage events kind of towards the end of the year as well. I that we did. We did. Well, we didn't, but like they did in Europe. Yeah. Um, so they had the Nebraska's War or Four Seasons event. I'm not sure if they're the same. I believe that's pronounced Yerp. Oh, fucking give your balls a tug. <laughs> a- anyway, <laughs> Nebraska's War. If anybody knows why it's called that or why the event is called the Four Seasons, I mean, I- I'm just curious. Shout out. Let us know. Um, but the top eight results were four PO lists, one DPS, two bug, one of which was Joe Brennan. Um, and one white Eldrazi. There was a, a man after your own heart playing that list. Oh yes. But it's it's kind of interesting looking at these results and then looking at the Euro, uh, the European the EW results or or I've as I've dubbed it the Euro Trash event. 
um, based on the top eight. Um, <laughs> there were six of eight PO decks in the top eight. So six of the eight top eight were PO. One rug mid-range, so like Planeswalker shit pile, and then one Ravager shops list. So just kind of seeing these two tournaments kind of post uh, Narset restriction, we noticed that PO is obviously a, a big, big player now in the format. And it really, I mean, I'm actually even surprised that a Ravager Shops list made the top eight at the European EW, just based on what we saw with the American one, where the only one that got in was the Golos Shops list, because they really can lock their opponent down a lot more. And also because the Goonfathers is savage. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> Shout out to yeah, Jody Keith. Keith is a fucking <laughs> savage. But yeah, I mean, so I kind of wonder if, you know, obviously we all kind of wanted to see Narset go. We'll always be happy to see Planeswalkers get restricted or taken out of formats, because I just fucking hate that card type. But I do think that it's something that it was holding PO in check. I don't think that we need to necessarily restrict PO. I think I'd actually prefer to see something like Thorn of Amethyst come off the the restricted list and see what that does. I would rather see a card come off the list than just keep adding cards to it. I can agree to that. And I mean, on the on our previous episode, when we were talking about the BNR, we we actually went into length on uh, discussing that, which is part of the reason that we we ended up not really discussing PO a whole hell of a lot in that episode, just because you know it's it's what was kicking ass before all of this, and with with Narset restricted, it, it would make sense that there'd be a little bit of regression in the metagame where you go right back to what was kicking ass before. Yeah, yeah. And well, and I, I think that PO is on a big upswing. I know having listened to Steve Menendian and Kevin Crohn's kind of breakdown, um, they do much more analytics than we do. We just shit talk. <laughs> they they do this fancy thing called math. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I can't read. <laughs> We can already tell from earlier in this cast you can't count. So. <laughs> That's very true. Um, I can count to four. I went to music school. Yay. And, and eight. And sometimes eight. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Ten is just too big of a number. They're right in 12, eight, don't they? Oh, you do, you do 12, eight, and threes, don't yeah. you? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Carry on. So well, uh, no, there's no need to talk about how worthless my degree is. So they were talking about kind of, you know, statistics of decks and stuff. And actually that, that mud is actually very, very low percentage wise uh, from where it was. You know, we had been seeing it above 20% and even close to 30% there for a while in uh, paper and in moto results. But it's, it's actually been down pretty low, probably the lowest it's been in a while. It's quite depressing. Yeah, the, the dominance of PO is really there. I, I don't think that they need to hit a card in PO. Like we've said, I think that the safest of the lock pieces to unrestrict is is definitely Thorn. If you listen closely, you can hear some Sarah McLaughlin playing for Mud. Spend all your time waiting for that second chance for a break that would make it okay. <laughs> In the arms of... <laughs> For $3 a day, you can make sure that this mud player doesn't tear apart their workshops. In the arms of the angel, fly away from here. <laughs> uh, Please, act now. Save a mud player. Be nice to your opponent. Or give them Eldrazi Temple. Yeah, Eldrazi Temple. I think Eldrazi is really good right now. Um, I just don't think a lot of people play the deck. I mean, honestly. Nope. Or at least a powered version of it. I mean, I've seen a lot of people play budget, you know, at, at EW and stuff like that. But Which is another reason to unrestrict Thorn, Dan. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Budget, unpowered Eldrazi. Yep. I would probably play it. You know, owning power, I would still probably play it unpowered because it just seems fun. Pretty good. Not going to lie. Anyway, that's kind of like just a little bit about the the end of year kind of vintage events that were kind of floating around, some results. Uh, we kind of wanted to weigh in on, on it just a little bit. But some end of the year reflections. What did you think about uh, 2019 Magic and the sets? Oh, boy. So there was a, a viral Twitter post where people were posting their favorite card from every year 
of the past decade. And my choice for 2019 was the August 26th band in restricted. <laughs> Mental misstep. <laughs> Mental misstep and fast bond coming off and uh, Golgari grave troll. And notably there was some, some good calls for other formats too, but vintage was really the one that appealed to us and the one that we talked about on the episode yeah. that we did. Well, I, I also think that Renan, the Renan six ban that happened was, was also a really big thing this year. It, it showed that I think 2019, we're going to remember this year as the year of the planeswalker. I really do. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they're just printing such high power level cards. Um, not just planeswalkers. I mean, cards like Veil of Summer have made an impact. Collector oof. I have this problem with Veil of Summer. And the problem I have with Veil of Summer. Go on. Is people are complaining about Veil of Summer because people are playing it in blue mirrors and getting blown out by it. Aw, boo-hoo. I know. And that's the problem that I have with Veil of Summer is because it's a green card that everyone's complaining about and they're making a huge ruckus about it. And for the first time in a really long time, there's a really loud ruckus in the Eternal Magic community that I think's just whining. Wait, you mean blue players (laughs) whining in Legacy? Yeah. I know. Imagine that. Oh my God. I mean, they have Ponder and Brainstorm and Preordain and Delver. I know. And they just have all these ways to find Veil of Summer. It's I know so bad. it's just so sad. Maybe maybe we should take maybe we should take some of those away. What do you? Yeah, think? I think we should say fuck you guys and take away your cantrips. Is that a, is that a is that a tongue in cheek <laughs> enough way to say restrict brainstorm? Or did yeah, we get I there? think we got okay. there. Fuck brainstorm. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So anyway, 2019. Absolute shit is the year of the planeswalker. I have to say, going into it. Hearing people that whose opinions I trust and who I have come to look to for you know information regarding official Watsy anything say that 2019 is going to be one of the greatest years for Magic ever really made me excited for everything and sitting on the other end of it and seeing what all came out uh, I feel myself kind of having one of those 80s movies not like this moment <laughs> where. It just, why? Why did you have to put static abilities on Planeswalkers? And please don't say that it it, it opened up the design space because, uh, yeah, I, I guess you can open up the design space by making things do things that and have abilities that they never would have had before. Or you can open up design space by printing a one mana artifact that makes the color pie not matter. Like, I... I you mean, what about that, what about that two drop Planeswalker that like nullifies the color pie and, you know, makes wasteland useless or makes you unable to play X ones. Yeah. You know, and, and before, you know, Lawrence Harmon or anyone jumps on this, I'm aware you couldn't play X ones and legacy before this too, but it's, it's, it was especially heinous with Ren and six. Well, there was only one X one that was playable and that was snapcaster mage. Listen, I, I played many unplayable X ones. Okay. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. Noble Hierarchs and Blighted Agents. I think that, you know, the... Steel Overseer. Looking back on this year, I mean, they definitely tried to push the envelope on power level of cards. But I think that they... The power creep is... It happened so sudden and it was just set after set where it happened. And I know, like, as an Eternal Magic player, you know, that I don't play rotating formats. Um, I don't play non-rotating formats. I only play Eternal. I'm used to having a couple of cards come into formats, you know, over a year. Like, I remember there was a while where, hey, cool, we got Abrupt Decay and, like, two or three other cards in the format. I played against a bug deck the other night where three quarters of the deck was printed this year. Yeah. In Legacy. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is just, like, modern with a better mana base. It was... Tarmogoyf, Force of Will, Dual Lands, and uh, Assassin's Trophy. Not not Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt Decay. And all of the rest of the spells in the deck were printed this year. Were they playing Brainstorm? And Brainstorm, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Anyway, (laughs) otherwise it was just terrible deck design. He might have been playing Ponder too. But 
the point is. Yeah, I think that they're, the Eternal formats got huge shakeups um, this year, and it just never really felt settled. I mean, as a legacy player, and it just, I felt like I was playing standard again, like where I just, I had to get new cards constantly to even remotely. To a degree, I'm okay with that, though. Like, I, I if you let something in, in a metagame sit for too long, it gets stale. And I'm okay with things being disruptive. However, I'm okay with them being disruptive if they introduce new and interesting play patterns or if they force people to play in a different way. When it's disruptive in the, I'm going to play the same cantrip-powered blue fair deck, but just jam new powerful spells into it. Instead of beating you to death with a shardless agent, I'm going to beat you to death with a questing beast. It's that, that isn't disruptive. That's just obnoxious. Yeah. I just, I just wanted the metagame to feel settled at any point. And it just didn't feel settled in vintage. It didn't really feel settled in legacy. And I think just having all of that being unsettled is one of the reasons that a lot of turnout was down this year, not just for Legacy, but also for Vintage Champs was smaller this year. Legacy Champs was smaller. They had GPs that didn't even have 500 people in it for like modern and standard. You know, I think there was a standard GP with less than 300 people. <clears throat> and you can say, you know, hey, we, we, what do we care about standard? But we've said it before, we need new printings for the game to continue. Otherwise, the game ends. And the continued interest of the either newly enfranchised or unenfranchised player is critical for the success of Magic as a whole. You need your new players, you need your casual players, you need your standard and limited players because that's that's what creates a revenue yeah. stream. Well, could you imagine trying to be a new player right now and with all of the printings that happened this year between standard and modern and cards getting banned? Oh, I mean... I wouldn't want to hang out with Magic players. Yeah, I just don't see how how this was this was a good year for the game i actually think that yes they had arena arena has been successful but i don't think that what they've been doing overall in the game has been very good i think that with the massive amount of bannings restrictions emergency bannings like just it's been too much people complaining about whatever the soup du jour is this week. yeah so anyway, one of, one of the other things that I kind of remember taking away from this year, um, I think it was John Finkel that said on Twitter that Planeswalkers are actually ruining the game. And I think that there's some merit to that. I believe that was Finkel, yes. As far as that, you know, the game used to be interesting. It used to be much more interactive. And now it just seems like whoever resolves their huge swingy card wins the game. And it's, I don't think there is as much skill involved in legacy now as there used to be personally. I just, I don't see play patterns where I see high level things. It's just, okay, I need to slam down my, my Oko, or I need to resolve, you know, one, Mm. one of these planeswalkers and then I can just run away with the game. And part of it is you just can't fucking interact with them. And the fact that they stapled enchantment effects onto planeswalkers is seriously problematic for the game. Mm Mm-hmm. It caused a lot of confusion, a lot of judge calls, a lot of confusing board states for people with timestamps over like, well, if you have this and I have this, how does this work? You know, you're making it too complex for a new player. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I don't know about all that. I, well, my, think about it as a new player, that a Planeswalker mm-hmm. card type. Oh, it's confusing, definitely. Yeah, a Planeswalker card type is already confusing, but now it has a, a static effect on it as well. Mm-hmm. My... My problem with the static effects is purely from a design standpoint in that static effects have always been on creatures. They've been on artifacts. They've been on enchantments. They've been on lands. Actually, I'm not I'm not sure on lands. Tabernacle. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Good man. Herbal. Um, also that. Look, you don't <laughs> you don't have to come up with multiple reasons. Riftstone portal in your graveyard. Yeah. Blow me. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> It's it's been on those four card types. Planeswalkers have from their inception been. You play this thing, it has abilities on it, you can activate one a turn, assuming that you have the resource to do it. Is that restrictive as a design space? Yes. Is that necessarily a bad thing? No. Not in my opinion, anyway. But it's 
I don't know. I, I'm just kind of waxing poetic at this point, but I, I yeah, I think that the importance of it being on those four card types is those four card types classically are relatively easy to interact with, and there are well established, effective, and efficient answers to those abilities. You, you mean the fact that we don't have a, like. A swords to plowshares for planeswalkers. Correct. Now, or a diabolic edict. And you, you can make the argument that you have burn spells and you have creatures that allow you to hit planeswalkers. But when you have planeswalkers that, on one tick up, are suddenly at seven loyalty or, or something, just like four. That. The fact that they go from three to four. Seven loyalty. Seven loyalty is fine when you have a planeswalker that costs six, seven, eight mana. Seven loyalty is less okay when it costs three. Cough, cough. Oko, thief of crowns. Cough, cough. And it's you. You've had creatures classically as an answer, but when your or or you know artifacts in the form of pithing needle or a sorcerer spyglass, but when. You print a planeswalker again. We're going to point to Oko to this. I don't like Oko, and and I don't. I think either. that's been uh, pretty apparent in our last uh, couple casts. But when you print Oko and it invalidates the two types of cards that are classically good against planeswalkers, we have a serious problem because suddenly the only two ways of efficiently fighting planeswalkers suddenly don't fight planeswalkers anymore. You have a card type that's out of balance. And one of the things that has always classically made Magic such a brilliant competitive game is the card balance. There's always somehow, not not one and a white, discard and blow up lands and all that stuff, but the, the balance of card. And you, you're just able to sit there and look at cards that are playing a specific part of the color color pie and no they're going to be good at this but they're going to struggle with that red black doesn't have a way to deal with enchantment hate that that's just something that you don't have in red or black you can blow up artifacts all day all night you can discard cards you can blow up lands you can kill creatures you can't blow up artifacts or you can't blow up enchantments sorry about your luck if you play green you don't have creature removal unless they're flying <laughs> because you can shoot them from the trees Thank yeah, you, Flavor. It's, I, I think that it's they're just, the, I, like you said, it's out of balance. Yeah. And I feel like by the more of, of these that they print, the more unbalanced the game feels. Like, I genuinely don't, I, like, I find games of Hextended and Old School much more interactive, much more interesting, and they're both formats without Planeswalkers. I feel I feel like they're far more skill intensive than where Legacy is or Modern is. I think Vintage still has some shaking out to do with some of the restrictions and unrestrictions, yeah. and it it is a very a highly interactive format um, where I feel like that there's a lot of answers to everything except Planeswalkers, mm -hmm. and it seems like that when Planeswalkers are the answer to the card type Planeswalker, there is a serious problem. I do want to point out one thing about these uh, these two events over in the EU, though, with the restriction of Narset, both with the upgrade of PO, and this is before we get too, too far in the weeds and off topic. PO seemed to have come out of nowhere to once again rule the roost. But the other thing that you notice uh, looking at uh, deck lists and uh, results is a near complete lack of uh, Oko. Yeah. Well, you see Teferi Time Raveler being one thing to show up more in in the metagame as well. Mm -hmm. I think the ability to kind of shut down your opponent's counter magic is a big deal. And that it's one of those things where if you're playing the PO Mirror, I think it's the third place list from the European... It was the Four Seasons. The third place list that was David Lafini. He's running two Teferi Time Raveler. And I think that card's probably incredible in the Mirror Match where they can't try to like value PO end step there. You're shutting off their misdirection, their chain of vapor, whatever it is that they're trying to do um, force of will to the point where you can really control the board a lot more. And looking at Joe Brennan's lists, he's, he's running one Oko and all of the outcome lists seem to have kind of reverted back to the like Esper build Mm -hmm. uh, based on mentor, um, they're running Tinker with Bol you know Bolus's Citadel, Yogg Will, that kind of thing. So I, I think that you know 
it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. I don't think Oko is gone. There's definitely, you know, the bug lists are still doing well. He's going to be around in vintage. But the card is fucking annoying in Legacy for sure. Mm-hmm. Are there any events you're looking forward to next year, Rich? Uh, So next year's probably going to be another one that I don't go to a whole lot of events. Assuming that they do another P9 series at SCG Con Summer, I'm looking forward to that. And the last couple years now, I've, I've gone to SCG Con Summer and I've had a great time and I really, really commend Star City for putting on a great celebration of Eternal formats. So hopefully we see another summer event with uh, some sort of large legacy tournament in addition to the Power 9 Vintage series. Uh, if there's old school there, again, uh, I'll celebrate that. I know this past year we had a little bit of a a rough time with the uh, Eternal Trios uh, event. We ended up having a lot of fun, but having a very casual format like old school juxtaposed with more competitive formats like Legacy and Vintage did make for kind of an interesting scenario where you had people in the old school seat that are not competitive players in any mindset having to sit next to and and play against people who are extremely competitive and so it, it ended up being kind of a a tough scenario from that regard but it was it was still well run it was a great idea and i love the fact that they were willing to do something super experimental like that that nobody had ever done before. Well, the, it had happened to EW the previous year. They had had a trios event. Uh, it was on the same day as, as the old school event when we were there. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. so they kind of they kind of took the lead from that. But it's you know to my knowledge the second one you know kind of we had right. in the U.S. with like an eternal team trios. And with something like that, is it going to be run perfect? No. But when you put competent people in charge of it and you you let them run it as well as they can, you still end up with a pretty good event. And that's 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 yeah. what we ended up with this year. Are you gonna are you gonna try to make EW this year? Um, that's that's kind of the hope. So obviously, this far out, it's hard to know for certain. Yeah, I'm still with you know Wesley's transplant recovery and all of the uh, medical stuff that comes with that. I'm still at a point where you know more than two weeks out i really can't commit to anything just because yeah things can go sideways in the blink of an eye so do i want to yes and all things you know all all things static those should be the two events that i make it out to this year uh isagicon summer in eu north or ew north america so we'll see what happens with that but that's that's really what i'm looking forward to with the uh, changes to GP structure and these rumblings that we may not even get a legacy GP this year. Honestly, it, it's not as big a deal to me, given that I've kind of taken a step back from Magic as a whole, but also in that I think that it's better for the format to give it more of a community run status like Vintage or Old School. So we'll we'll see what happens. Is it is it sad to not have a large centrally managed event uh that everybody comes from far and wide to play at sure i have a lot of friends that i i know because of playing legacy that without a legacy gp i may not get to see and that is unfortunate however you know we have legacy champs a lot of those people do make it to that so yeah it's it's a give and take do i think that them cutting possibly one legacy event from the national programming is necessarily a bad thing. Well, when you have EW and you have SCG Con Summer and you have TOs like MTG First doing their uh, their Play for Power series uh, that they've been doing for a while, or uh, people like Jeremy Aronson running his now 10, 10 and 20K tournaments yeah. out in St. Louis. The 20K sold out, by the way. I don't know if you saw that or not. I saw that yesterday. Um, I was and that's, really, that really impressed. Fucking huge. So kudos to uh, to Jeremy for that. But I, you know, losing a GP, I honestly think isn't the end of the world because what's been important in Legacy for going on five, ten years now, first and foremost, has been the community, not the Grand Prix. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, guys like Dominic Monfrey and and. You know, that you meet at events, um, he's a stalwart of the format, you'll yeah. see him at GPs, EW, you know, he's one of those guys I look forward to seeing, you know. Even though he's a filthy Delver player. He is a filthy blue player. <laughs>
I, I forgive him his trespasses, much like I do DJ Seco for his trespasses. It's one of those things where, you know, like, it, it is kind of sad that, you know, w- we might have had our last Legacy GP. But, you know, like you, I'm looking forward to SCG Con Summer. I hope that they do annou- make an announcement here in January, early February, and it gives people a chance to come in that, like they would for mm-hmm. a GP. You know, Roanoke, it's, it's difficult to fly to. You pretty much have to fly to Richmond and then drive like an mm-hmm. hour. But, you know, I'm hoping that they run it back. I think that that's actually outside of EW, the best event that I have attended. Virginia is a hell of a state to drive through as long as you can avoid cops, though. Yeah. For what it's worth. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you know, I think the SCG does a great job just from the, the CFB events that I've played in, mm-hmm. I've just not been impressed with how Channel Fireball runs events. Um, I don't think that them forgetting to an- announce artists that were at GPs and that they change things constantly, like on site. Like it just seems like it's there. That's one of the problems I have with it. And yeah. until there's a different TO, I wouldn't really, I don't really care if Channel Fireball runs another legacy GP. Like I just don't. Right. Because the side events aren't appealing, and unless it's somewhere that's close by, we're not really going to... Like, I'm to a point in my life with family and work and everything where if I'm going to travel for an event, it can't be to play the main event. Period. I have to have some other reason for making that trip. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I went to Atlanta was to see the Tusk guys and hang out, eat Korean barbecue. I ended up not even playing in the main event after walking around and seeing the metagame, so... You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you and I have talked about Mm -hmm. that when the Charlotte GP comes around trying to organize like an offsite event, Mm -hmm. much like the the Tusks did for GP Atlanta. So I think that, you know, there is a need for those kind of events, you know, for certain formats. I think obviously like the competitive formats like Standard, Pioneer, Modern, they need to have GPs to feed into the Pro Tour. But I don't think that it's an overall loss for us. Right. How much of, a, how much of an overlap, really, is there between dedicated legacy players, de- dedicated vintage players, and pro tour players? Very, very Not little. a whole lot. Yeah, I would, I would say that it's probably very, very small percentage. And, you know, and that's fine. And I actually think that the, the format has some shaking out to do. I would like to see some, some bannings. I'd like to see some, thi- you know, just to see the format stabilize a little bit. But, you know, I'm looking forward to that EW. I'm going to hopefully try to make players ball this year. And uh, Katie and I have talked about possibly doing uh, a trip together to Nashville, maybe, to, to, bootleggers. Go, to go to bootleggers because she's that never been. That could be pretty so. fun. Yeah, so we're thinking about turning that into a couple-day trip um, and possibly driving because it's like an eight-hour drive. So we would, like, drive to the mountains in North Carolina, stay for a day, and then finish the drive the next day. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I think the the other thing that I'm looking forward to next year is we're going to slowly be rolling out the Dirty South Old School Rules. And our new set that will be uh, is in R&D right now with Mark Brothers and some of the other hack DGENs. It's called Minings. It's going to be very similar to what you saw in Scryings. You know, we're going to just be adding cards to the format, kind of shake things up a little bit. But Dirty South Old School, we're working on some uh, a new kind of different rule set. Rich, do you want to give people a little teaser about what uh, one of the big changes we're doing? Yeah, so uh, the we're really excited to announce that effective uh, immediately, um, we will be allowing Minings uh, in... Uh, old school events uh, that are running the Dirty South. Oh, no. Minings hasn't been released yet. Well, I'm, I'm releasing it here in a second. Give me a second. Okay. So we the, it, it'll be legal along with the uh, Dirty South rule set. There are 120 cards in Minings. And so for the Dirty South old school expansion, if you will, we will be allowing up to uh, 60 copies of Strip Mine in your deck. And to go with that, as you might have guessed from the name Minings, uh, we decided to add a uh, an expansion to make that a little more feasible. So all 120 cards in in the expansion of Minings are also strip mine. Yeah. Yep. There is one small errata that you're forgetting that Minings adds to the card strip mine. Uh, that's that's right. Uh, would you like to uh, to tell the the friends what that is? So Minings now strip mine will count as a basic land. So you can still activate it under Blood Moon. 
You're welcome, folks. So anyway, from us here at DGENcast, thank you for wasting so much time with us constantly. We suck at this, but we do it because... Actually, I don't know why we do this, but anyway. I don't know, but thanks for sticking with us for our verbal shit posting. Yeah, basically. And uh, I hope you enjoy it for some unfathomable reason. Yeah, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and has a Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, just keep strip mining the shit out of people. Yep. I hope, you know, everyone that celebrates Hanukkah enjoyed that. Kwanzaa. Any Kwanzaa, Ramadan. Ramadan, uh, yeah. I think I, I saw something the other day, and admittedly, my... You know, knowledge of world culture is a little limited, being that, you know, I'm a filthy American, whatever. Uh, and uh, I I want to say there's like 16 or 19 different cultural holidays between November and the end of the year, hmm. depending on where you are in the world or any of that stuff. It's, it's, it's incredible. Well, happy festival of... A festivus for the rest of us. Yeah, there we go. Festivus for the rest of us. I like that. That's good. All right. Well, Rich, I hope you have a good evening. It's great to talk to you as always. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Yep. Take it easy, guys. Later.